God wants to be seen and heard and held. God wants to be touched and tasted, born by you as much as by Mary. You are the reason why the Son of God comes down and becomes incarnate in word and wine and bread again and again and again. Which is to say, God wants you. That's the Reverend Jason Michelli, and today he shares an inspiring message of Advent faith called Veiled in Bread the Godhead See. I'm Dalton Rushing. It's day one. Welcome to day one the weekly program that brings you outstanding preachers from America's historic Protestant churches, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your life. Now, here's your host to introduce today's speaker. This is guest host Dalton Rushing, and today on this Christmas Eve Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Advent, we're delighted to have with us the Reverend Jason Michelli, head pastor of Annandale United Methodist Church in Annandale, Virginia. Before moving to Annandale in 2020, Jason served for 13 years at Aldersgate United Methodist Church in Alexandria, Virginia. He earlier served churches in New Jersey and Virginia, and as a prison and hospital chaplain. Jason is a graduate of the University of Virginia at Charlottesville, and earned his MDiv from Princeton Theological Seminary. The co-host of a podcast called Crackers and Grape Juice, he's the author of several books, including Cancer is Funny and Living in Sin, Making Marriage Work from I Do to Death. His latest is A Quid Without Any Quo, Gospel Freedom According to Galatians. Jason, welcome to Day One and Merry Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for having me. Jason, last time you preached on Day One was about three years ago, and you continue to serve as head pastor of Annandale United Methodist Church. Much has happened in the church and the world since then, needless to say, but bring us up to speed about what you and your church are up to for the kingdom these days. My church and I are, like a lot of churches, trying to navigate the new normal coming out of the pandemic, leaning into what we discovered during the pandemic, Hmm. namely that we did not necessarily need all of the bells and whistles and buildings Hmm. that we pay for to be the church of the book of acts jason you co-host a popular podcast called crackers and grape juice which purports to talk faith without stained glass language tell us about that and why you do it i was on medical leave for cancer uh, a number of years ago now and while i was on leave i realized i had neglected my friendships uh, in the name of ministry and so when i came off of medical leave i was determined to maintain those friendships, nurture friendships more. And a podcast seemed a natural way to do that. Uh, And so all of the people who do the podcast with me um, are friends of mine from different Mm. avenues of life. Talk to us a little bit about what the podcast is intended to do. Uh, It's it's to model um, how pastors and theologians and Christians can talk to one another Mm. in a substantive but not jargoned way. Mm. And I think part of it is is to try to provide Christian content to people. So I know s- there are some Sunday school classes who will talk about a conversation mm. that we had. So I think it's it's, you know, content and and conversation. This past fall you participated in Trip Fuller's theology beer camp, which sounds like a lot of fun. Talk to us about what that was like. 
it was nice to be among friends with whom theologically I see the tradition and the world differently. Hmm. Um, and so, so, so yeah, so it, that's part of what we do on the podcast too, is, is to, if we believe in grace and the Lordship of Jesus, then I could listen to someone with whom I disagree without anxiety or the hmm. need to fix them. Yeah. And I think my friend Tripp does a really remarkable job of bringing together a community of people that would otherwise have no church community. Sure. And so I think that it provides a, a little lens into how to do ministry um, with people f- who might have an unhealthy un- impression of the church. Huh. You've written several books, including Cancer is Funny, about your own experience with a rare and incurable bone cancer. Your latest book, out this year from Cascade, focuses on the book of Galatians. It's called A Quid Without Any Quo, Gospel Freedom According to Galatians. Why this book, and what do you hope readers will gain from it? I think Galatians is uh, is the beating heart of the Protestant Reformation. I think it gets to the 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 heart of the scandal of grace in a way that only say infant baptism does. Hmm. And so I, I you know I, I wanted to bring people's attention to this neglected book of the Bible and to just kind of shove the scandal of grace in their face hmm. um, that the good news really is good news. Sure. Um, I think Karl Barth has a line in his preface to Romans about any understanding of Paul that doesn't step up to the precipice of antinomianism hmm. is not authentic Paulinism. Hmm. Uh, and I think that that's clear in Galatians as well. Jason, you'll soon begin working with Grandview University on a Lilly Endowment funded project to empower more compelling preaching. What is that project going to involve? Uh, my friend Ken Jones, uh, a friend that I made through the podcast, uh, uh, he is the Gerhard Ferdi uh, Professor of Theology at Grandview. And so uh, he is the head honcho of what's going to be called the Iowa Preachers Project. Mm. Um, and so he is someone that I've been in conversation with uh, on the podcast um, and through some of my own writing about recovering a sense that what makes preaching compelling is not the the practice of rhetoric or the artifice of the presentation, mm. but really a clarity and conviction about the gospel. Ah. Well, this is the final Sunday of Advent, and it happens to be Christmas Eve. Your sermon focuses on the lessons from Isaiah 9 and Luke 2. Would you read some of that scripture for us? Sure. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria all went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. As she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn, In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. 
you will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. Isaiah 9, 2-7 The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us, Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is obviously some of the most beloved scripture in the whole Bible. I wonder what stood out for you this time as you prepared your sermon. The incarnation is something that we are tempted every year to reduce Hmm. simply to a drama with characters. Mm -hmm. And we, we flatten it out and make it into the stuff of a Christmas pageant for Hmm. children. And yet it is the most theological of holy days, I think. Mm-hmm. And so there, there is no way of really s- sitting with these texts and waiting for the Lord to pass through them that avoids the astonishing claim of the incarnation. Jason, we look forward to hearing your message on these texts. It's called Veiled and Bred the Godhead Sea. Thanks for sharing it with us. Thanks for having me. If you'd like to listen again to today's Christmas Eve program with Jason Michelli with an extended interview, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app to Day One Weekly Program, or you can stream or download it on our website at dayone.org. And if you'd like a free printed sermon transcript, just call us at 404-815-9110. The Gospel story begins with the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. But the Gospel message began with the news of his resurrection. So, Alleluia! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, this is important. I do not believe that God resurrected Jesus. I do not believe that Mary's child is alive just because the Gospels report it. I believe Jesus is risen. I believe Christ is alive because I've met him. I've met him. I know God raised Jesus from the dead because I've met the risen Jesus. Therefore, I trust the gospel's testimony. Likewise, I trust Matthew and Luke and John 
when they bear witness to his advent into the world. When it comes to the Gospels, I apply what biblical scholars call a hermeneutic of trust. Nevertheless, such trust in the stories of the Incarnation does not make it any easier to convey the mystery of the Incarnation. St. Anselm of Canterbury, a medieval monk, lamented in his famous book, Curdeus Homo, the unbelieving ridicule our lack of sophistication and accuse us of dishonoring God when we say God was born of Mary. A teacher of mine, Robert Jensen, writes that the mystery of the Incarnation can only be expressed in paradoxical language. Meanwhile, in his small catechism, the Protestant reformer Martin Luther instructs preachers that whatever is presented to us in words must be reduced to pictures. For without a picture, we can neither think nor understand anything. That is how Christ everywhere in the gospel carries out his ministry. He taught people the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven by means of pictures and parables. Incarnation. Two what's and a single who. The finite containing the infinite. The humanity of God. Eternity taking on time. Mary giving birth to her maker. There is simply no way to capture and convey adequately the mystery of Christmas. All we can do, Luther insists, is paint pictures and tell stories. Nor can we merely retell the ancient text. Exactly because the gospel is a present tense promise, it can never be proclaimed in the same way today as yesterday. Here's a story that shows what is terrifyingly and horrifyingly wrong about our world. Yet it is also, you've got to trust me, a Christmas story. Or rather, it's a story that helps us glimpse, as through a glass dimly, the mystery of Christmas. Tonight, at the top of the 24-story high-rise in North Kensington, West London, a banner, six stories tall, wraps around all four sides of the building. The banner reads, Grenfell, forever in our hearts. Grenfell Tower is still clad in white plastic sheeting. Five years ago, on June 14th, a fire broke out in Grenfell Tower. It was England's deadliest residential fire since World War II. Seventy-two residents and firefighters lost their lives. The fire spread with haste due to the lax building regulations which allowed builders to use an especially flammable material for the tower's facade. An American company, Arconic, sold the material to the construction company despite knowing the risks their product posed. High rents, a lack of affordable housing, inadequate public housing meant that Grenfell Tower was overcrowded with occupants. Edward Daffern, a retired activist who had lived in Grenfell Tower for 17 years, told the New York Times this was a whole community that was being treated with injustice and discrimination. For instance... The tower, whose residents were primarily working class and immigrants, had only a single staircase and no sprinklers and fire alarms. The sole elevator in the high-rise had been broken for as long as anyone could remember. Natasha Elcock lived on the top floor of Grenfell Tower. After the fire, she says, she was left all alone, forced to fend for herself as the local government had taken no measures to provide temporary housing. Another resident, Bilal El Gwini, who lived in the tower with his wife and three young children, explained to a reporter, saying, In low-income housing, I think there's an element of be grateful for what you've got, keep your mouth shut, 
and don't rock the boat. On the sidewalk far below the banner that reads forever in our hearts, a square canvas sign hangs in the middle of a memorial to the victims. In the center of the sign it reads, 72 souls. Graffitied around the number 72 are questions. Why do we the poor have to suffer once again? How dare they? What gives them the right to put money before our lives? It was like time stood still, said Marcio Gomez. Gomez lived on the 21st floor of Grenfell Tower with his pregnant partner and their two little girls. After attempting to call 999 five times to no avail, Gomez and his family climbed down the stairs through the heat and the smoke. He remembers that as they left their apartment, he turned around to see the ceiling fall in and fire consumed the manger, I, I mean the bassinet he'd just bought for his coming baby. The Gospel of John does not proclaim the mystery of Christmas with dreams and nightmares as Matthew's Gospel does. The evangelist John ignores Luther's advice altogether and doesn't tell a story or paint a picture. John keeps it theological. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. Take note. John does not proclaim the Word became human, Anthropos, John proclaims the word became sarks, flesh. Here's what you may not know. In the New Testament, flesh is not at all a positive word. Flesh is not even a neutral word. All across Scripture, flesh refers not to humanity generally or generically, but to humanity under the judgment and verdict of God. Flesh is the concrete form of human nature marked by Adam's fall. Flesh refers to humanity in opposition to God, humanity in rebellion from God, humanity is adversary against God. In other words, in Jesus Christ, God condescends not to the world that he created, but rather at the incarnation, God enters the world that we have made in our image. God enters that world. The Word comes to flesh. And God comes not as a warrior. God comes as Jesus Christ. And not as a, a fully grown, self-reliant Jesus. God comes as a newborn, too weak even to hold up his head, too vulnerable to be left alone. The infinite comes in this most finite of creatures. Incarnation. As fire crews arrived at the Grenfell Tower blaze, they quickly assessed that they were as likely to die as save anyone. Nevertheless, not one of the firefighters flinched when it came to going in and going up. Knowing the danger they were accepting, understanding the risks they were assuming, seeing the sheer vulnerability they were entering, the firefighters all took a moment and wrote their names on their helmets so that their bodies could be identified. And then they all hugged one another tightly, a frantic, fearful embrace, because few of them believed they would make it out alive. Now, imagine. Imagine Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in a desperate, fearful grasp of one another, 
in the moments just before the Father's only begotten Son becomes incarnate in Mary's belly. That danger, that risk, that absolute vulnerability, that's what the gospel wants you to hear in that little phrase about a tiny baby, and the word became flesh. He can't even feed himself, much less defend himself. Here God is. It could have gone wrong in a thousand different ways. It's a miracle he made it into the terrible twos. God imperils his very self in order to be cradled in Mary's arms. God risks everything in order to be not just the subject of our lives, but the object of our love. To be God with us. Only, God doesn't come down in the flesh as an answer to a 911 call. According to Ephesians, it is God's choice from before the foundation of the world. The incarnation isn't an emergency response. According to Scripture, it is God's choice, the mystery of his eternal will set forth in Christ just as to unite all things in the fullness of time. Christmas is not God's plan B. According to the Bible, God's gracious election of us in Jesus Christ is the beginning of all the ways and works of God. I'm going to say that again, because it's absolutely everything. God's decision to be with you and for you is the beginning of all the ways and works of God, before the Big Bang, even. At Christmas, the church makes such an astonishing assertion that it robs everyone of the possibility of neutrality on Christianity. There is the claim. There is no other God but the God who has determined himself not to be God without you. Which means the good news of great joy isn't that God was with us in Jesus Christ. The good news of great joy is that God is with us in Jesus Christ because there is no other God than Emmanuel. And he has no other identity than God with us as Jesus. The good news tonight is not that God was with us in Jesus Christ. The good news tonight is that God is with us in Jesus Christ. As real and visible, tangible and embodied as the baby at Mary's breast. Two Sundays ago, after the Christmas pageant, one of the children in the cast came up to me in the fellowship hall. I have a question, she said. What's your question? So, Jesus is alive? I nodded. She thought about it for a moment. Clearly, this hadn't been her question. Well, she said, if Jesus is alive, then how come we can't see him? And I knelt over, and I leaned in towards her, and I whispered, like this was a secret too special to share. Actually, I said, you can see him. In fact, you did see him just last Sunday. I did? I nodded. Yes, of course, I said. He was that bread on the table and the cup next to it. Jesus is alive, and, and that's the form, one of them anyway, that his body takes now. She nodded. Oh, cool, she said. And then she ran off as quickly as a magi from the manger. The risen Jesus himself promises, Lo, I am with you until the end of the age. How is he with us? Take and eat, Jesus instructs us. This is my body. 
with you, for you. I know what you're thinking. Would Almighty God really let his body be pushed around on the supper's table or handed over to sinners and all sundry who come? The question is logically ironic. To answer no, no, God wouldn't assume such ordinary creatureliness and give himself over to those who take him for granted. To answer no is already to posit a God other than the one held in the manger, the same one who will hang upon a tree. God has a body. Still. Bethlehem means house of bread. The sun still lives in bread. Like Gandalf says to Frodo about the ring of power, he wants to be found. God wants to be seen and heard and held. God wants to be touched and tasted, born by you as much as by Mary. God wants to be your mercy and your righteousness. You don't have to live a perfect life. His perfect life is right here for the taking. God wants to be your righteousness. God wants to be your pardon and forgiveness. God wants to be your comfort and joy. God wants to be your companion amidst loneliness, your calm against fear, your hope in the face of grief. God wants to be your crutch for whatever weakness, ailment, or addiction hobbles you. You are the reason why the Son of God comes down and becomes incarnate in word and wine and bread again and again and again. Which is to say, God wants you. How can the creator of all that is, seen and unseen, be a Jew who lived briefly, died violently, and rose unexpectedly? How can the baby born in Bethlehem be here now, be ubiquitous, in fact, incarnate in creatures of bread and wine? It's a mystery. All we can do, Luther says, is tell stories and paint pictures. So just imagine for a moment, suspended above this creature of the gospel word, the three persons of the Trinity, wrapped in a fierce embrace, clutching at one another expectantly, waiting to see if you will respond to their call and receive him. Mary's boy and Pilate's victim who is your maker, so that he might lodge in your heart forever. You've been listening to the Reverend Jason Michelli, head pastor of Annandale United Methodist Church in Annandale, Virginia. For a free transcript of his sermon for the fourth Sunday of Advent, titled Veiled in Bread, the Godhead See, call us at 404-815-9110. That's 404-815-9110. Or write to us at Day 1, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. Keep in mind that Day 1 depends on the financial offerings of our faithful listeners. At this important time in our ministry, we're grateful for your generous year-end donation. Please send your gift to Day 1, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305, or donate online at day1.org, and thank you. And remember to listen again to today's program 
Read the sermon transcript, search the sermon archives, and much more. Visit us online anytime at dayone.org. I'm Dalton Rushing, sending you all our best wishes for a Merry Christmas. Next week on Day One, as we continue to celebrate Christmas, we're pleased to have with us the Reverend Susanna Davis, Senior Minister of Kirkwood United Church of Christ in Atlanta, Georgia. Her message is titled, A New Song. Be sure to join us next time on Day One. This is guest host Dalton Rushing. In these challenging times, I'm so grateful for the impact this faith-building program is making in the lives of hundreds of thousands of people around the world. In 2024, we celebrate 79 years of broadcast ministry. If you appreciate this unique ministry, I hope you will help us start the new year strong by sending a generous year-end donation now. Please note that if you donate securely on our website at dayone.org, your gift can be matched or you can call us at 404-815-9110. That's 404-815-9110. Or mail your gift today to Day One, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. And from all of us at Day One, thank you, Merry Christmas, and have a blessed New Year. Day One preacher Jason Michelli offers some final reflections on his sermon for Christmas Eve called Veiled in Bread the Godhead See. And Jason, in your message, you said there is simply no way to capture and convey adequately the mystery of Christmas. All we can do is paint pictures and tell stories, and you did that beautifully. But let me ask you, what's one thing from your sermon today that you hope our listeners will take with them in the days ahead? I think it's important to remember that no matter what corner of the Christian church we're coming from, we really do believe that the God that Mary gives birth to is present to us just Mm. as much in word and wine and bread and water. Amen. Well, we paint pictures and we tell stories, and I think we might add we sing songs. So we'll close our time out today with a beloved Christmas carol and hopes our listeners will sing along. Jason Michelli, thanks for being with us, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
Day One is the voice of America's historic Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings on Day One and forever.